During the past several weeks, uh, we've been talking about thinking. I'm really glad we've taken the time to do this. Uh, it's such an important, such an important theme in our practice. It's good that we've taken the time for this. Uh, this is something that we have to uh, practice with and practice with and practice with as Dharma students. If you think about it with the Buddha said, right, all, the, all that we are begins with our thoughts. With our thoughts we make the world. So we've talked about abandoning unskillful thinking, uh, abandoning thought worlds. And the idea being, of course, that we live, most beings live much of their lives in thought worlds. The Buddha offered some good descriptions of the, uh, the thought worlds. And of course, our thought worlds are the emanations, sometimes even called emanations, or fermentations, or effluence, the, the emanations of our clinging. Uh, they arise out of our clinging, uh, the ways that we uh, grasp onto aversion and desire, the ways that we uh, uh, suffer over being separated from from what we find pleasing and joined with what we find displeasing. In describing uh, the thought worlds that we have that pertain to ourselves, the kinds of thoughts that we have about ourselves, uh, the Buddha said there's three primary thoughts that we have. I was this in the past. So I was unhappy in the past. I was an angry person. I was uh, uh, not generous, I was uh, a failure, I was a success in the past. Uh, I am in the present, so I was unhappy in the past, I am unhappy in the present, uh, and then I will be. So I was, I am, I will be. Uh, yeah, very simple, I mean, if you really look at your thoughts, that's really what it kind of comes down to when you when there's the thoughts that we have about ourselves, and it's the same as the thoughts we have about others. That person was, they are, they will be, or thoughts about the world, the world was, the world is, the world will be. These are what our patterns of thinking look like. You know, and these patterns of thinking are just that, they're patterns, they're habitual patterns their habitual patterns. Uh, so uh, the term that we often use to describe a, something that's a habitual pattern is it's, a, it's something that's subject to birth and death. So we give rise to a certain thought, I am unhappy, I will be unhappy. Uh, that thought passes, but of course we've conditioned future thoughts uh, of that kind and so the thought passes, but then it arises again, and we hold on to it, and we engage in that thought world, and it passes, and then it arises again, and we enter into it, and we involve ourselves in it, and it passes, and it's just this cycle, right? It's this cycle, this habitual cycle, or this endless loop, sometimes known as the cycle of samsara. So we tend to have, as the Buddha delineates, uh, the same thoughts, the same thoughts 
day after day after day, week after week after week, year after year after year, uh, you know, unless we do something about it. Unless we do something about it, we are basically condemned to thinking in the same way. We're imprisoned by these thoughts. These thoughts are a prison for us. So our practice is to abandon these thought worlds. You know, and in, in large part, we're able to do that if we're able to see ourselves when we're involved in these thought worlds, to see ourselves when we're involved in these thought worlds. In other words, in real time, in real time, so meditation, of course, helps us to get some space so that we can begin to see when we're involved in these thought worlds. And then, of course, to be able to <clears throat> see the drawbacks, see the allure of those thought worlds, that the power of them, to understand uh, that these thought worlds are conditioned, you know, uh, they arise and they pass, which means that uh, since they are conditioned, they're not fixed. Uh, there is a potential to let them be and let them go. There is a potential to, uh, to step away from them. So to see that, to see that there is an escape. Uh, and to gradually affect that escape from these thought worlds. Uh, to step away from them. To step away from them and gradually less and less to enter into them, to enter into them less and less. So you don't really have to destroy the thought worlds, you just have to learn to be able to step away from them. Your capacity to do that, of course, is dependent on you seeing them and understanding uh, the potential for stepping away from them. So most of the time we don't even realize, or most beings, run of the mill beings, as the Buddha would say, don't even realize that they're in thought worlds. Uh, first thing that we do is we realize that we're in them, so we're in this prison. So this is the first thing we realize. We start to realize that we're in these prisons. Uh, and uh, gradually we begin, it's a gradual process, we begin to realize you know, I'm in this cell, if you will, in this prison cell, but it has a door. It has a door, you know? So the first thing is we start to realize, it's like, you know, it's, it's got a door. I didn't real first I didn't even realize I was in a prison cell. Then I finally realized it. That was, that was my first understanding. And then I realized, oh, it's got a door. But, you know, you see that door and you think, well, it's locked, you know? It's like, I'm in this prison cell, the door is locked, you know? And then one day you realize, it's not locked. It's not locked. You know, but you're still like, I know it's not locked, but you know, I'm comfortable here. You know, I'm comfortable here. It's like, I don't know what's out there. This is more comfortable for me. So I know there's a door, and I just found out that it's, it's not locked. You know, there were a couple times maybe I took a little step outside, but I came right back in, right? Gradually, we learn to be able to step outside, out into the world. We realize, yeah, that we can be out there in the world, and it's actually a better place to be. 
we can be afraid. We realize that we are afraid. We realize that we are afraid. So, the more we're able to abandon unskillful thinking, the more we can cultivate skillful thinking. So we abandon unskillful thinking, we cultivate skillful thinking. We put a lot of effort in cultivating skillful thinking into the development of concentration, right? So that's often where a lot of our effort goes in our skillful thinking. I mean, it goes into skillful action, some skillful action, being heedful, uh, taking different actions that are skillful. Uh, this is the path, right? This is the path. We learn to take different actions. The Buddha delineates some of those for us, following the precepts, etc. We use uh, the, our, our thinking to be able to identify actions that are skillful, to refrain from unskillful actions. A lot of our thinking goes into developing concentration, right? So meditation, developing concentration, is really a process of skillful thinking. It's a process of skillful thinking. Directed thought and evaluation are the heart of the thinking that we do. <clears throat> In terms of working with the breath and the body, and then intention, right? The intention to practice with compassion, with loving kindness, uh, the thinking that we do in the service of developing a mind that's bright. So we shape our experience of the meditation by using skillful thinking. We shape our experience in the service of concentration, which is focus, ease, pleasure, equanimity, space, space. The more that we're able to do that, then the more we're able to use thinking to shape our lives to shape our lives. Ultimately, it's about shaping our lives. Yeah. It's about uh, shaping our lives in the service of uh, accepting our freedom and creating a life that's skillful, that's joyful, a life in which we strive for true happiness. So, I want to focus today on shaping actions using thinking. Right? Shaping actions using thinking. Uh, shaping our lives, shaping the course of our lives. Uh, and the way that we do that is through our thinking, right? Through our thinking. So it begins with intention, right? We've talked about this a lot. I mean, intention is a function of thinking. It begins with intention. Uh, the broad uh, intention that we have as Dharma students is known as our resolve. So, you know, as Dharma students, uh, you know, following the Buddha's path, uh, we, are, uh, we are inclined, we are inclining ourselves, we are learning to have a specific purpose. There's a purpose that a Dharma student has. Uh, and we use thinking to establish that purpose and keep ourselves in tune with that purpose. Uh, and our purpose, of course, as Dharma students, is to live in a way, to take action in life in support of our wish to be free from suffering and to have happiness of heart. That's the purpose for a Dharma student. So, uh, 
what we learn to do, of course, is be in tune with that intention, right? which means remembering that intention, right? remembering that intention. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is one of the places where metta practice can, comes in handy, right? Because at least, you know, if you do a little bit of metta every day, you know, what's the purpose of metta practice? First and foremost, to remember that you have a wish to be happy. To remember that you have this wish and to establish that sense of purpose. Right? To establish that sense of purpose. But it's very easy to forget our wish to be happy. It's very easy to forget our sense of purpose as Dharma students. And the only way that we can uh, stay in tune with our wish to be happy is to think about it. We use the head to connect to the heart, right? We talk about that all the time. Uh, so, you know, usually when I'm struggling in my life and I'm having a hard time, I've lost sight of my sense of purpose. You know, I've lost sight of my wish to be happy. I've lost sight of my intention to live my life in a way in which I'm seeking to fulfill my wish to be happy. So I come back to that. So when you're lost, it's always good to come back to that. It's always good to come back to that. What's my purpose here in this life? What's my intention? I have this wish to be happy. I have this wish to be happy. So, so that's sort of our, our resolve. That's, you know, that's, we could say, that the first element of skillful thinking is to, to be in tune with our purpose. So that's pretty simple. Uh, you know, I mean, that'll develop over time. You know, that'll develop over time. It strengthens over time. You know, it strengthens over time when you see that uh, having that sense of purpose and making an effort to fulfill that sense of purpose and, in fact, fulfilling that sense of purpose uh, Knowing happiness of heart is, 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 is a greater happiness than the other intentions and purposes that we might have, that most beings have. Buddha said most people's intention is to acquire sense pleasure, make money, acquire possessions and belongings, material gain, acquire status and praise. As a Dharma student, our purpose is to know happiness of heart. We become more uh, inclined to incline to that sense of purpose the more that we see that indeed it is a greater happiness. Indeed it is a greater happiness. But you know, the only way that you come to really truly understand that is by taking actions that are in support of what true, you know, knowing true happiness, which brings us to the second element of skillful thinking in the service of shaping our lives, which we could call reflection which we could call reflection, the engaging in an ongoing reflection. The engaging in an ongoing reflection. You know, and, and, you know, again, you know, this is sort of the essence of this talk. It's sort of like, when any, whenever I give a talk, you know, what I try to do as a teacher, and I, you know, I, I feel this is my role, and the Buddha said is the role of a teacher is to give you practical skills that you can learn and take into life with you. You know, it's not, this isn't theory. These are things that, you know, the teachings suggest that you would do, things that if we do, then they'll lead us to a greater happiness. 
So this reflection, this ongoing reflection, this daily reflection, this moment-to-moment -moment reflection, you know, we're asking, you know, reflection is asking, right? Posing a question, what is skillful? What actions are skillful? What actions can I take today that are skillful? What actions, what can I do? How can I act? What actions can I take that are an expression of compassion, an expression of loving kindness for myself and or others? What action is in the service of my wish to be happy? So, you know, this is something that, you know, we do on a broad level, maybe in our lives. You know, what actions do I want to take in terms of my career? You know, what actions do I want to take in terms of my work, in terms of my relationships, on a broad level in my life? We ask these questions, right? But there, you know, there are questions, you know, that we ask also on a day-to-day -day level. What am I going to do today that's going to be in the service of loving kindness and compassion for myself? You know, we have to look at our actions. I mean, this is really where, you know, this is really where the path is made, is day-to-day -day or moment-to-moment. -moment. You know, what can I do right now in this moment that's going to be in the service of the heart in the service of loving kindness and compassion. So again, an ongoing, the, Buddha, the term the Buddha used was repeated reflection. Yeah. Uh, and that's really, again, the, the kind of the, the point I want to make in this talk is that you, know, you have to learn to think skillfully. You, know, you have to learn to think skillfully. And this is what, you know, this is a, you know, a crucial element of what skillful thinking comprises, is asking this question is asking this question, asking, asking, asking the question. It's different, you know, asking these questions every day, more than once, you know, more than once. Uh, now, this is different, of course, than trying to think about what you need to do that's going to be in your best interests, right? Which is sort of our way of doing things, right? That's sort of the, the scholastic method, you know, the academic method, the intellectual method to think about. Let me think about what I need to do, right? That's not so much skillful thinking, so much in terms of uh, the Buddhist definition of what skillful thinking is. It's asking the questions, living in the question, living in the questions, and letting the answers come out of the heart, not the head. The head gets you to the heart, then you've got to drop the head. Right? So this is skillful thinking. Skillful thinking is guiding you to the heart, and then you allow the heart to guide you in your life in terms of showing you, you know, the understanding, the deep understanding that will set you free and will lead you to true happiness is in the heart and not the head. Not the head. I think most of us would probably fairly readily agree to that if we look at where the head has got us. I am this, I was that, I will be that. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing. There's nothing new up there. There's nothing new up there. Well, the newness is down here in the heart, in the chitta. 
Now, the challenge for us is we want to know what it is that I need to do. What do you mean? All right, I'll ask the questions, but now you've got to tell me what, or i got to know what, right? It's like we want to know. And our tendency, again, is to want to figure things out. I've got to figure out what I have to do in order to be happy. But the practice of the Buddha is a practice of not knowing. You know, All of these skills that we're developing ultimately come down to being okay with not knowing and having enough space where we don't rush to judgment and we don't try to figure things out and we allow the heart to guide us. Now, uh, living in not knowing is very frightful for us. It's fearful, right? We, we want to know. And there's a lot of fear you know, in not knowing. So what do we do? We resort to our stories. I'd rather stay in that room, even though I know the door is unlocked and I can walk out any time. There's no guard outside the door. There's no guard outside the door. But I'd rather stay in here because it's comfortable. And I know this place out there. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. So we resort to our habitual patterns of thinking and our habitual ways of doing things. So in the practice, you know, in primarily our meditation and concentration practice, we're developing skills that enable us to be okay with not knowing and to move beyond that fear. And largely, again, that's the concentration. You know, the ability to have that kind of space where, okay, I can be okay with not knowing. That's equanimity. You know, that's equanimity. You know, and in the meantime, while I don't know, I've got this jhana, which is pretty good as an intermediary step. You know, so you know this is this is really what jhana is all about. It's like I've got a nice, pleasurable abiding where I'm waiting for the heart to guide me towards what's in my best interests. That's what it's all about. You know, but if we're in pain, it's like no, I need to know what I need to do to be happy, right? So there's a desperation that we almost have to want to know what it is that we need to do. And that completely shuts us off from the heart. So we're developing these skills of concentration so that we can be okay with not knowing, so that there's some space there, some space, because it's like, I, I want to know, i got to figure it out, the heart blocks off, and you're, and you're always cut off from knowing what it is that you need to do to be happy. Now, the more we're aligned with that sense of purpose, that intention, you know, and the more we are learning to be able to take action that's informed by the heart, uh, fear, the love in the heart, the metta, transcends the fear. So ultimately, uh, you know, we have, we have faith in the heart, you know, and the qualities of the heart will empower us uh, as we move forward. They'll, transcend, they'll enable us to transcend fear. So as we reflect from day to day, from moment to moment, you know, we open to what's unknown, which is another way of saying. So this is this is this is the part of the class where we deal in synonyms. Saying that we open to the unknown is the same as saying we open to life. We open to the truth. We open to the Dharma. Because life is utterly unknowable. We don't know what's going to happen from moment to moment, from day to day, 
We don't know. We have no idea. We may think we have an idea, but it never is the way that we think it's going to be, right? The truth of it is, is that every day is a field that's unknown to us as we set out upon it. We don't know. Those stories that we have are a way of us creating safety, a, 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 the veil of safety, the illusion of safety in an unknown world. I am this. I was that. I'm going to be this in the future, even though it's so painful. Right? That's why the Buddha, the Buddha is like, you scratched his head. It's like, why is it so much of a delight for us to engage in those habitual patterns of thinking when they're so painful? Because there's fear, you know? Because they provide us with you know, what we think is a safe place in a fearful world, a world that's unknown. So we, when we open up in any moment to not knowing, we open up to the truth, the Dharma, the way things are. We're in harmony with the way things are. We're in harmony with the way things are. It's just like listening to this Dharma talk, you know? It's like if you have preconceived ideas about anything that I'm saying, you know, or what I should be saying, or what the class should be like, you're cutting yourself off from a deeper understanding. And that the deepest understanding is the understanding that you have when you just let go of all preconceived ideas. You know, and try to be here in this moment. You can try it right now as I'm talking. Just as the, the, the most profound uh, way that I can transmit the Dharma is not to think about it so much, but to just speak from the heart. And that's why I would never do a Dharma talk with you know, reading a script, you know? Because invariably, the best stuff I ever say is not, in the, not on these pages of notes. You know, it comes in those moments when I, when, I, when, I, when I accept the freedom of the moment and allow the heart to guide me through the unknown. So, you know, the greatest happiness that's available to you in life with regard to the actions that you take and the things you do is not something that you're going to be able to figure out intellectually. You know, I'm sure most of you can, can, or if not everybody here, can identify with that. I know it is for me. You know, the most joyful and wonderful and uh, things that, I, that have happened to me in my life or that I've done in my life in terms of the actions I've taken were completely unpredictable. I mean, I always kid around about it. You know, a kid from the suburbs of Long Island becoming a Dharma teacher, you know? I mean, you go talk to the guys I went to high school with, they would, they would probably, you know, fall, all fall onto the ground laughing so hard, it, you know, it would have been completely, I mean, for me, it would be completely inconceivable. It's not anything I could have thought about. So far beyond the mind's capacity to grasp. So this is a path of freedom. You know, the path of the Dharma is a path of freedom. You know, it's a path uh, that offers us uh, a way to be a free human being. You know, we have to accept this freedom. We have to accept this freedom. We often say, and I know, I know this because I know people tell me this all the time, you know, when I give talks like this, sounds good, but I can't do it. Sounds good, but I can't do it. I mean, you know, that's that sort of trap that the mind is in, right? You know, those are, those are, that's the habitual trap that the mind is in because you have an idea about yourself. 
you know, that I can't do it. Yeah. So, you know, part of the job of the teacher is to say you can do it. In many ways, that's the easier, easier part of the teacher. The other part of the teacher is to show you how you can do it, of course. Because you can. You know, in any moment, you can shape your life and let your heart guide you. And that's really the place to practice more than any other thing, is in the moment. It's like right now, in this moment. Right now, in this moment. You could feel your breath come into your heart and just ask, what would it be like to be here right now in tune with the heart, in tune with my wish to be happy? What's that like? So when you do that, when you do that, it's not something that you could have predicted, right? And it's always something that's completely new. It's always something that's completely new. It's always something that's completely free. You touch into freedom. You touch into not knowing. And there's, there's newness there in any moment. When you allow yourself, when you allow yourself to just ask the question, and let the heart guide you to what's true. You know, it's like that in Zen, they say nothing is ever repeated. Nothing is ever repeated. Every moment is free and alive. Every moment, there's the potential for happiness of heart. So we're accepting that freedom and allowing the heart to guide us, and that's how we shape our lives. But Again, what enables us to do that is to let go of thought worlds, to step away from those thought worlds, to little by slowly allow ourselves to go through that door that's unlocked and unguarded, you know, and to cultivate concentration, equanimity, space, space, enough space through meditation you know, that enables us to be able to establish a resolve as a Dharma student, to take action, to live in a way in which we're seeking to fulfill our wish to be happy, and to be able to reflect you know, this ongoing reflection from day to day, from moment to moment. What is skillful? What actions lead me to a greater happiness? What do I need to do that's going to be in the service of the heart? And that meditation allows us to have that space so that understanding will come, can arise from the heart and guide us in this life to true happiness.